The 2021 calf market is starting to take shape. The southeast part of the country has seen a surplus of moisture, while the west and the northern tier of the country is in extreme drought. The reality is, is when you deal with an environmental effect like drought, it drastically changes the decisions that producers have to make. Today we hear from Clint Berry with Superior Livestock and Joe Goggins of Northern Livestock Video Auction about what they're seeing in the marketplace for this year's calf sales and what they see in coming years on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Welcome again to another edition of the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. I'm your host, Justin Mills, coming to you all the way from the corner of Northeast Wyoming, and we are within sound distance of the big Sturgis Motorcycle Rally that takes place this week. And, of course, this time of the year, for those of us in this part of the country, you just kind of keep uh, your eyes peeled on all sides to make sure that you're safe and those riding the motorcycles are safe as well. But we are glad to have you right here, as you will find us every Saturday right here on Rural Radio Channel 147, Sirius XM, at 12 noon Eastern. And I've said before, uh, I know a lot of folks starting to turn more towards the podcast type of taking programs. You can find us there as well. Pretty much every podcast provider that is out there, if you just search under Working Ranch Radio Show, you will find us. Also, I might mention, too, that that is a good way to go back and listen to a show if you'd like to or even listen to older shows that we've had, share those with other folks as well. We encourage that. We'd actually appreciate that if you do that as well. But anyways, that's how you can find us, and we are glad that you are with us here today. Now, to give you an idea of what we're going to be talking about, we actually have quite a few different guests on our program today. Uh, two of those guests are going to be talking about our major featured topic today, and that's going to be on calf prices. As Clint Berry, who's a representative for Superior Livestock, will be joining me, as well as Joe Goggins of Northern Livestock Video Auction. Both of them have some great perspective to share with us about this year's calf market, as well as what they feel this market is going to look like in the coming years. So some good information there. Looking forward to that conversation with both Clint and Joe later on in our show. Colin Osborne, Executive Vice President of Beefmaster Breeders United, will be joining me in our next segment uh, as we talk about some new efficiency data and measurements that they have just released for Beefmaster Breeders. And so in our Breeder Spotlight today, we are going to be talking with Colin Osborne on that. Also in our last segment today, Don Day will be joining us, our meteorologist on long-term weather around the country. Now, some positive news coming for some of these areas of the West that have been dry as we're going to maybe see some cooler temperatures and moistures coming back. I'll let him talk more about that. Plus, we've talked about it before, but he's going to expand a little bit more on this 10 to 11 year pattern that provides some predictability of extreme drought situations for those in the West. So we're going to be talking with meteorologist Don Day on those things. So be sure to join us in our last segment for that. Before we get too far, I would like to send a big thank you to our sponsors of the Working Ranch Radio Show, the American Simmental Association, believing that their primary purpose for existence is genetic evaluation and providing genetic awareness tools that help producers make decisions to move their operations forward from everything from internal traits to terminal traits. The genetic merit of Simmental Genetics has provided increased profitability to the rancher. Sim Genetics profit through science. Find out more at Simmental.org. Other sponsors include Performance Beef, easy to use, cattle management software. Find Performance Beef online to request a demo. Beefmaster, nothing beats a Beefmaster. Find out more at Beefmasters.org. The Working Ranch Expo that's going to be coming up December 8th, 9th, and 10th in Las Vegas during the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. It'll be easy to find. I will be there. Also, everyone from Working Ranch Magazine will be there as well. Right across from Cowboy Christmas, you can find us. If you'd like to see more about that, you can go to the website at workingranchexpo.com. Also, Gelvy Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to gelvy.org. Well, a couple of news stories that I want to share with you that I think are, are big items in regards to a couple topics that have been on the forefront for several years in the cattle industry. One is in regards to the beef checkoff, where a federal appeals court ruling has ended a six-year legal battle 
over the beef checkoff. Now, if you remember back, it was 2016 when RCAF USA filed a lawsuit in Montana alleging that the use of industry assessments collected by state beef councils for advertising and promotional materials was a violation of First Amendment rights of beef producers. However, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals affirming a lower court's ruling that the beef checkoff is not a violation of the First Amendment and that speech by state beef councils is government speech. So kind of something there that's uh, putting that to bed at rest for the time being, and we'll see how that progresses down the road. In another news item in regards to livestock mandatory price reporting, and there's been some push by several in the cattle industry to have a little bit more insight into the cattle marketplace, a little bit more transparency, and the USDA announcing two new reports. One is called the National Daily Direct Formula-Based Cattle Report, and it will allow uh, stakeholders to see the correlation between the negotiated trade and the reported formula-based prices, as well as the aggregated values being paid as premiums and discounts. Now, the second report is called the National Weekly Cattle Net Price Distribution Report, and that'll show at what levels, looking at both price and at volume, that trade occurred across the weekly weighted average price for each purchase type, as they're going to be looking at negotiated, negotiated grid, formula, and forward contracts. Right now, they're just speculating on that. This will have a little bit more fine data and offer a little bit more transparency. So some news there in regards to some new reports coming out by the USDA under the Livestock Mandatory Price Reporting. Well, stay with us. Coming up after the break, Colin Osborne, Executive Vice President of Beef Master Breeders United, joins us for this week's edition of our Breed Spotlight. And later in the program, we get into our featured topic on the calf markets for this fall. We'll be back with more on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Payday starts with superior Beefmaster cows. Yes, the Beefmaster female has stayed true to her original purpose, to help ranchers in tough environments improve performance, survivability, and longevity. So if you're giving up ground in traits that matter, consider Beefmasters. The breed will jumpstart your cattle and give your next calf crop a performance boost. Nothing beats a Beefmaster. Learn more about what the Beefmaster cow can do for your herd at beefmasters.org. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, as we turn now towards this week's Breed Spotlight. And I'm pleased to have with us Mr. Colin Osborne, who's the Executive Vice President of Beef Master Breeders United. And Colin, thanks for joining us today. I know this time of the year is very busy for a lot of us, but thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Well, Justin, we're glad to be here and, and always glad to visit with you about the Beef Master Breed and, and some of the, the things going on with us. Last time we talked, we, we kind of got the basics of what the Beefmaster breed, where it originated from, and, and, and talked more about that. Let's, let's go now and talk about with this breed and how that fits with our U.S. cattle herd and some of the strengths that you're finding with the Beefmaster breed and, and the really the, the dynamics of our U.S. cattle herd. Certainly. We, we do feel that our, our Beefmaster genetics fit well with the, the national cow herd that's so heavily uh, Angus influenced, uh, and you know, our we feel that our Beefmaster genetics bring some some really good things to the table for this this cow herd that that we're seeing across the U.S. Uh, we we feel the the mothering ability and the maternal instincts of of these cows that have been bred into this breed for so many generations are are, are something that can help increase longevity and just increase production in, in these cow herds across the country. Mm-hmm. When we talk about these maternal strengths, uh, one of the things you just touched on that I think is really key, and that is longevity. I think that uh, being able to have a cow that can stay in your herd longer than the national average, and if we can get beyond that, another another year to two years on that, that's money in the pocket to the producer. Absolutely, and, and that's where... I think our Beefmaster cattle really, really excel. Is it's it's not uncommon for us to see a, a an eight to ten year old Beefmaster cross cow out there uh, right in the prime of her production still. Uh, we we see it all too often where we're we're trying to to speed up those 
those uh, those intervals and change generations a little bit, a little quicker to make some more genetic improvement. And and it's not that we get pushback, but they're saying, well, those cows are still out there doing their job at eight and ten. And you know, we we don't we know that that's putting money back into our program and into our our opportunities to move forward. So it's it's definitely something that. Uh, we see is a, a real bright spot for the breed uh, to go along with all the all the maternal abilities that they have once they're in production. Mm-hmm. It's the time of the year where we're gathering up calves. We're getting ready for the fall run. So folks probably already sold calves, but they've been able to look at these calves and now are starting to, in their mind, think about, okay, what are we going to do this next year as we look at our next bull decision and mating decision? And And we've talked maternal traits, but there's some terminal sides of this too that we can that really you feel the beef master breed can bring to the table we do you know we we hang our hat on maternal abilities we know but uh i think we definitely hold our own out there when we start talking about uh weaning gain and post weaning gain uh and the growth that these cattle have especially when we start crossing them back on some some english influenced cows uh, here comes good old heterosis. You know, we, we hear it often described as one of the only free things that we, we get in the cattle business. And uh, it's yeah. it's really hard to overcome, uh, to be honest, with through genetic advancement and everything else. Uh, the curveballs that Mother Nature throws at us year in and year out, uh, heterosis stays pretty steady for us when we start putting these Beefmaster bulls back across English and continental type cows. You bet. You have just released, the Beefmaster breeders have just released some new efficiency data and measurements there. Let's talk about that a little bit. Certainly, we, we have. We're, we're in the process of, of releasing uh, two different measures. One, it would be a, an RFI or residual feed intake, uh, actual EPD. And then we will uh, or have released also a, a dollar FE, which is a feed efficiency index. And, and we, we feel that uh, these cattle excel from the research that we've done and the studies that, that are behind this data. Uh, they excel exceptionally well in, in RFI, and then when we start to couple that and, and build that index, uh, we include some some post-weaning gain and to make sure that, that we're not just selecting cattle that don't grow uh, and are, are converting, uh, you know, at a, at a high rate, but we want growth in there. We understand that these cattle have to grow and perform, uh, but we also understand with the, the input costs that are out there today and uh, the variability that we have in so many of those those feed costs that uh, making sure these cattle are doing it as efficiently as possible can also help return some dollars to producers and and that's what we're we're here for and uh, the reason we've built these these new measures. All right, well, Colin, thanks for joining us and for more information, your guys's website is we're at beefmasters.org and certainly encourage everyone to come come visit and see us if you get the opportunity. Uh, have questions, don't hesitate, give us a shout there at the office. We'll be glad to visit. All right, Colin, well, thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio show. Thank you, Justin. Colin Osborne, Executive Vice President of Beefmaster Breeders United, joining me for this week's edition of our Breed Spotlight. Well, stay with us. Coming up in our next three segments, we're going to be talking calf prices. First joining me will be Clint Berry, Representative for Superior Livestock. Following him will be my conversation with Joe Goggins with Northern Livestock Video Auction. Stay with us. You're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. How do you manage data for your cattle business? Stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. Get real-time access from anywhere with Performance Beef. Update rations, generate real-time closeout reports, record health data at the chute, in the pen or pasture, or analyze performance trends all in one place with ease. Your feed, financial, and health information is integrated in one easy-to-use platform accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to learn more and request a demo. 
Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And before we jump into our topic of calf prices today with our guest, I there was a quote that kind of came to my mind as I was thinking about our topic here today. And it come out of a Charles Dickens novel, A Tale of Two Cities. And I know a lot of folks are scratching their heads, say, why in the world does this has this to do with calf prices? But I guess it has more to do with our weather situation that is having some impact a little bit in our markets today and out of the Charles Dickens novel of A Tale of Two Cities it says it was the best of times and it was the worst of times and I think that is very applicable to this year's weather situation across the country where we saw the best of times or for the most part I know uh, too much moisture can be uh, a detriment as well but the southeast part of the country seeing a lot of moisture a lot of forage availability for them in comparison to what we see in the in the west and the northern tier of the country where really some of the most severe drought that we've seen in quite some time. So that is where that quote come from. And as we talk calf prices today, we know that there is some impact that the weather has played into that. Nevertheless, we are on a cycle that is giving us a lot of optimism. And I think you're going to hear that today from our guest. So joining me now here on the Working Ranch Radio Show is Mr. Clint Berry, a representative for Superior Livestock out of Fort Worth, Texas. And Clint, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Before before we talk about the markets, because I think this time of the year, we're all kind of thinking about what this market's going to do. We've seen some sales come across. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But first of all, weather this year, we've had two extremes. We've seen extreme wet in the southeast part of the country where you're at, and we've seen drought up in the northwest and northern tier, upper Midwest. So as far as the wetter weather in the southeast part of the country, how is that going to affect our markets just in general this year? And I know, you know, one of the things I think about is a lot of times these lighter calves out of the north head down to Oklahoma and Texas to put on those wheatgrass fields. Is that wetter weather that we've seen that you guys have seen down there going to affect these markets this year? You, you know, it, it will and, and probably not fairly distributed, uh, me, meaning that you know, some producers are going to be a lot more impacted than others. Uh, some that have alternative grazing or have an ability to, you know, to do something differently than the than the standard plan, or maybe we're not at capacity on stocking rates. A lot of that's going to affect their own individual abilities. But, you know, when we kicked off 2020, we had a crazy weather pattern in the south, at least in the southern plains area. You know, we, we were, all of our wheat crop was running behind, you know, most of the time. When, uh, when we pull cattle off wheat, you know, they're ready to come off around that, uh, you know, March time period. By, by the end of March, 1st of April, they're usually all gone out of the, off the wheat country. And, and this year we were, we were running, you know, four to six weeks behind on that because we were running four to six weeks trying to get it up and get it started. This time around, the weather pattern's a lot different. You know, that the, the northern plains region specifically, um, you know, the west, that, you know, that third of the country is in extremely drought condition. And long-term forecast, you know, at best, we're hoping, you know, maybe that starts to, that starts to change come mm-hmm. the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you move in, we were watching cattle facts information, and they were talking long-term forecast. You know, we're fighting a, a La Nina uh, you know protocol right now and hopefully that that can change and help move that but there is a ton of forage in the central and southern plains in the southeast you know they are in wet condition and that's going to put some wheels under calves to to get moved down there that's that's for certain um you know i see that as being a positive we're still going to have to face, you know, the corn belt is, uh, I shouldn't say all of it, but a large portion of the corn belt is also faced with drought, mm-hmm. you know, limiting crops. And that's going to affect the, the price of cattle on feed. That's going to come, you know, our cost of gains and, and how that affects the grow yards is, is going to be a different part on that as well. Mm-hmm. With that in mind and the cost of gain out there, a little more increased price on this corn, what are you seeing as far as these calves? If you were to break it down from lightweight to middleweight to heavyweight calves, where's the demand going to be at? And is this is this corn price, what is that driving that? Yeah, that's part of it. And I, and I think anytime you get into a market pattern that is showing change up and down or up or down, the cattle that are closer to harvest time are a, a, a safer bet, maybe a, maybe a lower risk is what I'm saying by that. And a lot of times there'll be some more in demand on that. Mm-hmm. So yes, I mean, while we are really enjoying where we've been selling these calf prices, 
the yearlings have been blowing it out of the water. Mm-hmm. And part of that is just the sheer mathematics of how do I get, you know, what I've got to input cost wise and time frame wise to get a 500 pound ball and calf to a 1400 pound fed steer versus an 800 pound yearling to a 1400 pound fed steer. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a, that's a big impact, you know? Um, so when you're talking about corn fluctuating from five fifty to $7 that, you know, and, and producers not sure if they've got that locked in or where that's going to be, that, that can have a big impact on, you know, maybe where they're a little more confident in their purchase. Let's talk now a little bit about the markets. I want to have kind of give us a quick recap of some of your earlier sales. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because they've already happened, but I think it's also given us a foundation of where you think this market is going to go as we head into the latter part of summer and early part of fall. Sure. And, and you know, the big the big issue on everybody's, on the conversation piece, everything that everybody's going to talk about is the margin that is – on the leverage side of it, the margin that the packer is getting right now. Mm-hmm. That's predominantly due uh, to the fact that, I mean, the flat out, we are not able to process at full capacity and we can use more capacity to harvest the cattle we have. Long-term projection as we're looking at that. So if, if you start looking at the numbers of kill cows, um, you know, we are in a declining uh, cow herd position. You know, we are going to lessen the number of cattle. You know, there's conversations out there, roughly a million cows, but over the next three years. Hmm. And right now, especially in drought country, I don't think anybody would would really question <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's uh, that's a tough thing to tackle, but that's that's part of it. The drought is only just enhancing the fact that we were already trending that way. Nineteen and, and twenty both have got you know smaller cow herd sizes. We were decreasing. Mm-hmm. That also means that right now we got an increased number of cattle on feed. And as we move through that glut, you know, that's why you're starting to look at a lot of fat cattle prices the last few months, 120, 121 kind of range. And the, the forecast going forward on a lot of those contracts are already, you know, 35 to 40 in places. And I think long-term projection, we as producers are going to be able to leverage as we decrease some of those cows. And that's not always the the thing you want to hear but those that stay in the business are going to be able to leverage more money from that margin than what we're able to do right now Mm -hmm. some of your earlier calf sales this summer uh have started have have kind of given us a projection uh for that what what give us a kind of a quick recap on those earlier summer sales oh and and and, you know really the the change in the marketing in, in my opinion we really started seeing it in january as we entered into the first sale of the year, what we call the bell ringer, you know, we saw an uptake in the price of cattle and especially on those program calves that had some third-party verification that added a lot of uh, flexibility or opportunity for the buyer side that carried all the way through there. There was a time there in the spring where, you know, things got a little tougher, a lot of unknowns. And, but, but as we entered into that summer, starting all the way back to council bluffs and, and then running in a week in the Rockies, and then last week was Winnemucca, and I mean, the market has just steadily trended upward, mm-hmm. and that's been an exciting thing to see. Mm-hmm. We're a ways out from the real heavy fall run, I think, but uh, right. I know a lot of guys kind of thinking, where, where is this market going to be at? So if we were to look ahead, and I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire here and say this is what it's got to be, but what do you kind of, give us some ranges of where you think this market's going to go as we head into the fall and the heavy fall run. You know, and, and and part of that is going to rely on some things that we can't control. So so let's not even worry about those factors. Let's assume, yeah. in, you know, market environmentally, we're in the position we're in. Mm-hmm. Let, let's let's not you know let's not worry about regulations or you know anything like that. Let's assume everything is there. I mean, you're going to see these calf prices, in my opinion, pretty similar to where we're trading on the on the summer sales right now with an opportunity to maybe move higher. If we get some of those questions answered as we move into the fall, um, we're going to get through the glut of fat cattle by that time. That's a positive for everybody with a live animal. If corn stays, you know, in the five under $6 range, that's a big benefit for all of us too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and the, I mean, it's not uncommon right now when we're selling calves that, we're $40 a hundred weight different. Hmm. And that's, 
I mean, that's quality in a lot of times. That's location, that's timing, that's value-added programs, that's management. You know, I mean, there's genetics. There's so much involved in that. But, you know, we're trading some five weights anywhere from, you know, I'd say 60 to 85 at times. Mm -hmm. You know, and we've had some that will do higher than that. We've had some that haven't done quite as good as that. So, I mean, I don't have a crystal yeah. ball, and I wish I did, but, you know, the summer videos are always, an, in general, are always an in, a good indicator of the fall. You know, that's a, of where those can be if you assume that you're not going to have a drastic change in, uh, you know, in, in other issues that are coming in, you know, that are outside the factor of just cattle. Mm-hmm. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Clint Berry, representative for Superior Livestock. And what are we seeing on the prices for these programmed cattle? We're going to talk about it when we come back on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Our featured topic today we've been talking about is on the calf prices, the cattle market for this summer and into this fall run that's yet to be happening and starting to take shape here within the next couple of weeks. And I know that the dry weather up in the northern part of the country has moved some of these calves or will be moving some of these calves a little bit sooner than they normally would go. And so today, as we talk about calf prices, giving us some indication of what this is going to look like. Previous segment, we had Clint Berry with uh, Superior Livestock joining me. He continues with us now. Clint, you and I had done a program before on program cattle and um, and really talking about that as far as, you know, advantages or, or things that the producer should be looking at. Are you seeing some advantage this year in this market for uh, for these program cattle that uh, have you mentioned a little bit ago that you've seen some third party verification have have given some advantage to these calves. So let's go back and talk about this programmed cattle aspect and and what are you seeing for the advantages in this marketplace for guys that are are doing this? Oh, it, it you know probably more so than any year that I've been involved in marketing cattle. The margins on these multi tiered third-party verified programs are pretty high. I mean, you know, it's not uncommon to see a plus 10 to a plus 20, 100 weight on similar calves. Understanding that you can never make up for poor management or poor genetics. So you have to, you know, the, the guys that are going to push to the top of the market are going to have those in line. That's the foundation we build on. And then on top of that, adding these multi-tiered third-party programs. And, and it's that's the kicker. I, I want to be clear. Not every program is for every producer. But if, you know, if a producer wants to get into programs, uh, each one can be an additive, a lot like a step on a ladder. But to maximize, it usually takes more than one, one program. But some producers are only going to, you know, their operational system that they have in place, their protocols is going to allow them for – you know, X program, but not Y mm-hmm. just because, and and that's a decision every producer has got to make. Um, you know, you got to be careful there, but more so than any year, these value added programs are, they're really pushing the market. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity in them, whether it be natural for domestic use, um, export eligibility, you know, whatever it may be or a combination of all of the above. Mm-hmm. 
this time of the year, I know down in the south, you guys have had a little bit more feed. You have a little bit more feed to wean on. For folks up in the north, and I know myself, uh, I, I'm kind of contemplating this. Typically, I've weaned calves for at least 45 to 60 days. But hay prices yep. are so stinking expensive this year that you're right. thinking, is it worth the weaning or do we just go right off the cow? So is there some advantage? I mean, when hay prices are 200 bucks a ton plus or more, or actually closer to 300 is do we just go right off the cow or, or is there some advantage to weaning these calves right and and my the easy answer to that is there's there's always an advantage to weaning calves the reality is is when you deal with an environmental effect like drought and increased hay prices uh for, for forage or you know anything it, it, all of your inputs have went up at that mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. It, it drastically changes the decisions that producers have to make. And, and I, I, you know, I don't know a cattleman that lives anywhere in the country that at some point hasn't been affected by that. So everybody feels for the producers that are, you know, in a drought condition, but it's really easy to sit here and say, yeah, you know, our, you know, our wean calves are bringing six, eight, ten dollars a hundred across category. Uh, you should wean your calves. Well, well that's simple, except you, until you understand that maybe you've increased your your you know your input cost for to hold the cow together for a year a hundred or two hundred dollars a head mm-hmm. that that doesn't you know so every producer is going to have to make their own decision there as to what they're doing me personally it would be hard for me to be purchasing forage you know hay whatever and feeding it to calves knowing that for the rest of the winter i'm going to be purchasing forage just to try to hold my cows together yeah, yeah. i mean one of the fastest things to do to cut your input costs there is to go ahead and market those calves and most likely all of your heifer calves and get those cattle out of there less than that you know do your preg checking and everything and you know do some culling on the cool cow side to limit what your inputs gonna to have to be to hold that nucleus herd together depending on the severity of where you're at, mm-hmm. you know, and every producer is going to have to make their own decisions there. And, and some of them have prepared for this better than others. Some have better options than others. It's a really tough deal, but I by no means can in a year like that, where you're facing those conditions, in my opinion, it's hard to argue yeah. to, to, to wean a set of calves. If you don't have the feet to hold your cow herd together through the winter, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, that's the trouble that you run into. And, you know, a lot of times these are, these are one of those years that guys just have to, you know, call an audible and do what's best for them. Yeah. You mentioned it just a little bit ago about selling them heifer calves. We've seen a really big gap growing in these heifer calves, the, the difference between a steer and a heifer. Uh, is that gap going to be there again this year, you think? Yes, uh, in my opinion, absolutely. Now, uh, when you look at those margins, especially on a calf, uh, you know, that would be a a short wean calf, you know, a 45, 60 day wean calf kind of deal mm-hmm. or down to a ball and calf off the cow. We definitely see that margin. That's, that's pretty wide. Um, when you get to the feeders, there's still that margin, but it's, it narrows up some. Um, but that's just, you know, I think that's partially due to just demand for them cattle that are coming at a different time, you know, mm-hmm. that are going to harvest at a different time. Uh, and it's a good indication this will make sense, especially as we've been talking about drought and declining cow herd numbers. That's also the wider that margin is between steer and heifers is a good indication of whether or not replacements are being kept sure. because there's, there's more calves on the market. You know, there's more heifer calves on the market. That's what I'm saying by that. And there's less pressure from guys that are wanting, to, you know, to maybe develop bred heifers to resell or, or do those kind of things. And, and that's going to play into it. And, and producers, can get really upset about that because you know the genetics are the same the management is the same you know when you harvest the cattle and get paid you know pluses and minuses on carcass premiums those are the same and a lot of times guys are like well there shouldn't be that much difference but i mean the reality is typically the heifer calves are going to harvest at 50 to 100 pounds lighter than their steer companions same genetics you know mm-hmm. and they're also going to have a higher cost of gain i mean it it takes more money to get a heifer calf from 500 pounds to harvest weight and dead than it than it does to get the steer from 500 pounds to harvest weight mm-hmm. plus you have less tonnage to sell on the feeding side so i mean mathematically they have to, to charge less and then when you run into a year like this where we don't have 
the replacement heifer pressure, w- whether that be producers, you know, holding 20 or 30 percent of their calves at home, or the fact that you know we've got guys that they're buying extra heifers to put into a bred heifer development program to resell. When you run into those years, it just complicates that that much further. Clint, uh, one final question, and just to kind of recap. So as we head into the fall here, you still pretty optimistic on this market? You know, I, I'm optimistic for the future, including this fall. You know, I think what we've been seeing this summer and this 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 uptake in the market is what we're going to enjoy as we move into the fall. And I think that only continues for the next several years. I mean, to me, if you look at the overall numbers, we are setting in the positions – of like 2010, 2011, 2012, you know, those kind of numbers are starting to line up and that's a good indication on the upswing. I mean, we're going to have fewer cattle, which means we're going to have fewer cattle on feed, which means holding the existing demand alone, let alone growing, we're going to get, we're going to have leverage on our side as producers to be able to capture more of that profit. And I, I think that's bodes well for regardless if you're, cow-calf stock or feeder i think that bodes well for all of us as producers all right well clint thank you for joining us here on the working ranch radio show thank you sir that's clint berry representative for superior livestock out of fort worth texas joining me on our featured topic today of calf prices and our cattle market now we're not done talking because coming up in our next segment joe goggins with northern livestock video auction out of billings montana joins us with a northern perspective on this same topic when we return on the working ranch radio show here on rural radio channel 147 sirius xm For commercial cow-calf producers, crossbreeding with Galvay and Balancer is the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. Galvay and Balancer females offer maternal superiority through increased fertility, greater longevity, and more pounds of calf wean per cow exposed. In the feed yard, Balancer cattle can offer increased performance, improve feed efficiency, and have excellent carcass merit. Balancers add the pounds, make the grade, and deliver the value. Gelvy and Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to gelvate.org. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, as we continue our conversation today talking on the calf markets, the cattle markets for this year. Finding ourselves in the dog days of summer looking ahead to the fall run, and I know we've already seen some cattle sell, but nevertheless, there's some things that we can talk about with these cattle markets that I think will help us not only for this year, but even as you start to get your mind clicking and thinking about the following years as well. So we're going to turn now to Mr. Joe Goggins with Northern Livestock Video Auction. And Joe, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Yeah, my pleasure. You bet. Well, Joe, before we talk about the markets here, I know a lot of folks, it's that time of the year where we've seen some cattle already sold, but I still know we're a ways out from the big fall run. But before we get into the the markets and recap and some of that kind of stuff, we've seen, of course, here in the north, you've experienced as well, it's dry up here in the northern tier of the country. How has that played into what you're seeing this market take shape for this year? You know, it's it's to be honest, the the market has held in there remarkable in my mind for for what the uh, the drought has done to the producers up in this neck of the woods. I mean, we've we've never seen hay prices uh, the way they are right now. We've never seen any of this feed up here in this direction uh, the way it is, and then now we're starting to get short of water. And uh, I mean, this thing is it, it's uh, it's a lot of people relate it to some of the major droughts uh, that we've seen in our lifetime, and I, and I sure. Would, could uh, relate that myself i mean this uh, this thing's for real and there's a lot of these producers that are they're sure having to sell these cattle early and and a lot of them are having to downsize their cow herds drastically and uh, so it, it, it's it's uh, there's a lot of producers in in, in real trouble and it uh, it's real unfortunate mm-hmm. and i think some of those factors that you were talking about downsizing herds selling calves a little bit earlier those are factors that are going to affect the market not I mean, this year somewhat, but we're going to see that in terms of herd sizes, U.S. herd sizes in the next coming years being down, that being downsized and how that's going to affect our markets down the road, too. Oh, most definitely. This, uh, I really think we could see the cow herd, uh, the the size of the cow herd here in, in our trade area 
decrease 35, 40% uh, from a year, a year, in a year or so. I mean, I, I think at this time next year, we could sure see 35, 40% less cows. And that, uh, uh, I, I really think these producers that can hang on that, uh, to their core herds, uh, this thing gets so good. Uh, I mean, we, we, we're going to see good times. We're going to see real good times mm-hmm. when we get on the other side of this thing. And, uh, and the good Lord and Mother Nature starts helping us. And uh, uh, when that happens, uh, a guy's going to want some she stock around because yeah. this thing will get good. You bet. Let's do a kind of a quick recap on some of your earlier sales. I don't want to spend a lot of time because they've already happened, but I think they've also established where you think this market is going to head as we head into the fall of the year. So maybe a quick recap of your earlier your summer sales on northern yeah it, it, it they've been awful good our, our numbers our volume is walking kind of right with maybe just a tick below what it was a year ago but uh, the big calves irregardless big calves light calves whatever a lot of these calves are bringing uh, from 15 to 20 dollars a hundred more than they did a year ago and that was both on our june and july sales it looks like it's going forward it'll be that good or better uh the demand for these replacement type females uh, uh to me remarkably has been very very good uh, the demand for these lighter cattle has been good so obviously there's some places in the world that, that have uh, more feed and cheaper feed than we do up here but uh, uh, the demand for these high quality cattle that got some performance bred in them some carcass merit bred in them uh, it's sure been it's been remarkable mm-hmm. as you look ahead into the fall the big fall run and some of your sales coming up what are you anticipating for this market for guys looking at these october november december deliveries yeah, I th- I think you're going to see these calves that that uh, they that have the capability of not delivering until end of October to the middle of November, and, and then if you even have the chance of weaning one like that, I think you're going to see some some pretty good premiums for those kind of cattle because we in this trade area up in this neck of the woods, uh, and it's a big trade area. The, there's a lot of these calves had to have been sold from now. I mean, we're shipping a lot of calves in August. We're shipping mm-hmm. a lot of calves in September that normally wouldn't go until October, November, and you can sure see that there's uh, there'll be some demand for some of these at uh, uh, end of October uh, through December delivery calves uh, if they can make it. When we look at some of the the extra things that are on these cattle, I mean, we preconditioning is pretty much kind of an industry standard anymore. But beyond that, some third party verification and some of those uh, those kind of elements that can be parts of these calf sales. Are you seeing some benefit for producers doing those things? Yeah, definitely, especially the what we call the program cattle, the cattle that are natural gap uh, uh, or uh, the beef care or whatever, uh, whatever the different programs, NHTC, there, there sure seems to be some some real premium for, for the yearling cattle that are that way. And for the wean cattle, we're seeing less of a premium on the ball and calves that are in the program deal. They're just that you can see these guys in the natural programs and so forth. Uh, these ball and calves are hard to handle. They just, uh, you can see they're having some fallout and uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're sure willing to give a, a quite a little more premium for a wean calf or a yearling that, that in the program. Deal. And I think that's a, a little bit of a predicament. We're finding ourselves up here in the North with, Hey, $200 a ton plus or more $300 a ton plus. And then weighing that up against weaning these calves and trying to put a 45-day wean on these calves, it's a predicament for these guys. Yeah, I mean, they're just not capable of doing it this year. And and, and it's not like the ball and calves aren't bringing, I mean, they're bringing $20 a hundred more than they did a year ago. I mean, it's the one saving grace. I mean, I've told a lot of our uh, our help and our guys on our own ranches that, uh, I mean, it's easy to get your dauber down. It's easy to kind of... Uh, I want to throw the towel in when you get into a, a, a weather situation and, and just fighting the elements every day. But the one thing we we as producers should really like in this uh, whole predicament right now is the market. I mean, we the market is good. And if when we get to the other side of this thing, the market's going to get really good. So uh, uh, hopefully everybody kind of hold their head up and kind of mm-hmm. uh, keep plowing through this thing, because when we get to the other side of it, it is going to be good. You bet. Well, Joe, I appreciate you joining us here on the Working ranch radio show any final comments nope just pray for rain pray for rain and once we get some moisture baby baby this thing yeah. is good you bet well joe thanks for joining us okay thanks a lot that's joe goggins with northern livestock video auction giving us his perspective on our featured topic today as we look at these calf markets now something i want to refer you back to was a comment that i made at the front end of this segment and that is as you heard from our guest today clint barry with superior livestock and joe goggins with northern livestock there's probably things you heard in there as they talked about some of their premiums in the market on these program cattle and and knowing that there's nothing you can do for this year 
but it may be something should you be considering it for next year. Now, I'm not going to say whether you should or you shouldn't, but what I would recommend is that you go back and listen to a program that we had here on the Working Ranch radio show back on the 6th of January. If you go to our podcast site, you can find it. It's episode number five, and it's Selling Program Cattle, Is It For Everyone? And it actually was with Clint Berry, who you heard earlier in our program today. But I think there's a good perspective there because definitely it's not necessarily a silver bullet and it's something there's a lot of things that need to be considered and I think by listening to that show it will give you an idea if you want to consider going down that road or not. Well stay with us coming up next meteorologist Don Day joins us with a look at our long-term weather across the country. The Beefmaster excels in all maternal traits. They get bred easily, year in and year out. They make raising good calves look easy and possess excellent longevity, not breaking down in tough environments. Research shows the breed ranks above others for feed efficiency, one of the most important production traits. If your cow herd has lost its ability to adapt, maybe it's time to rebuild with proven Beefmaster females. Nothing beats a Beefmaster. Learn more about what the Beefmaster cow can do at beefmasters.org. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and joining us now again for this week's uh, weather report is meteorologist Don Day. And Don, thanks for joining us here again. Uh, we're, we'll talk a little bit long-term weather as, uh, to kind of keep folks enticed here a little bit. Some good news for those up in the northwestern part of the country. But first, before we do that, and I know we have talked about it on our show before, but we're seeing uh, when you show a graph of the strength of the La Nina that we are going through and another resurgence of that, it mirrors what we have seen before. And there's some predictability that we have with that. Yeah, it certainly appears that, that there's a pattern that repeats itself, and it has to do with La Nina and solar minimums. Um, we just went through uh, our 11-year 11 solar, 11 solar cycle with the minimum reaching us in late 2019 and 2020, and you tend to see the most robust, strongest, and longest-lasting La Ninas where the Pacific gets colder near the equator, um, that happened back in 2010 to 2012, and it just happened here in late 2019 and early 2020. And the last two-year La Nina happened then. And a lot of folks will remember the summer of 2012. That was a hot, dry summer for a lot of the United States, especially the Western United States. And you know what? That year, the summer of 2012, saw the most forest fire acres burned. Um now, we, we actually so far this year have not surpassed 2012, but this has been the worst fire, fire the worst wildfire season since 2012. So there's, there's uh, mm-hmm. a lot of connections between those colder sea surface temperatures and these solar minimums. The good news and the bad news, I guess I'll give you the bad news first, is, is that the latest information that we're getting from the subtropical Pacific is the fact that we're seeing the heat content of the sea surface as well as water below the surface near the equator getting colder again. That is syncing up with our computer modeling, which is showing that La Nina is going to come back on. In fact, I would not be surprised if we officially go back into La Nina by next month or before, mm-hmm. and it will likely persist into January and February. Now, that's the bad news because that is a continued dry signal for a lot of the Western United States. However, sometimes it's 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 what we can use all these great analogies like it's darkest before the sun comes up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what it means is we're likely going to see it end. Mm-hmm. And using going back to 2012, you know what we had in 2013 and 2014 and 2015? Well, we cycled right out of La Nina mm-hmm. and we went into some El Ninos, which are more wet for the Western United States. So if we were to use history as a path, the past as uh, an indicator of what's coming in the future, we could say that there is a fairly good likelihood that come spring, summer 2022, we'll be done with La Nina and hopefully into a warmer Pacific and better rain chances. Well, that's that's encouraging. Now, let's uh, move a little bit closer and uh, then just this next spring, but let's talk about maybe some good news that we're seeing for the northwestern part of the country, upper tier of the country for cooler, wetter weather here in the near term. 
Yeah, one encouraging thing that we're seeing is is that parts of the Northern Rockies and parts of the Northern Plains, and I'm going to also include British Columbia, Alberta, and Saskatchewan and Manitoba mm-hmm. in this discussion, is they are going to be trending cooler. Now, not in the short term. It's going to be pretty warm and dry up there, at least for the next five to seven days. But the early to middle portions of next week and the week after that, we're going to see an area of low pressure come down the coast of British Columbia, bringing cool, wet weather to Alaska, then eventually uh, we could see some really decent rain chances for many areas of Montana, North Dakota, parts of Wyoming, Idaho, uh, maybe even Washington and Oregon could get into the mix, as well as some of the dry areas of Minnesota and Iowa. And with those better rain chances will also be some cooler temperatures. And that will also alter the jet stream pattern and may end up reducing some of the smoke that's affecting a lot of the United States with those wildfires in Northern California. So there is in the longer term, some good news for the North Central and parts of the Northwest United States and Southwest Canada. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, as you talked earlier that we, if this La Nina pattern comes back and we see a drier winter, I think if you had to pick a time of the year to be drier for a lot of us, uh, that would probably be the time of the year. That is absolutely correct. In fact, August is the beginning month where the average monthly precipitation averages start to drop. So August is drier than July. September is drier than August. October is drier than September. That trend goes all the way usually to February Mm -hmm. in many parts of the central and western United States. So you're correct. If you're going to be dry, you want to be dry during the winter months. Now, You know, we had talked in some earlier programs about maybe what does this mean for the winter season? And going back to those analogs, what we may find out, Justin, is is that we may see a warmer and drier than normal fall and early part of winter, but the second half of the winter could be a different story if we see this transition. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll have more to talk about. It sounds like as we approach January and February and you get a little bit more insight as what that's going to look like. That's right. It's, uh, I, you know, a lot of people say, don't talk about that now. I don't want anything about snow or cold, but that's what we do here. Yeah. We, we have fun looking out as far as we can. All right. Well, Don, thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thank you, sir. That's meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather here on our program today. By the way, uh, as I've said before, he does have a daily video podcast on his website. That's dayweather.com. But occasionally he also kicks out uh, longer video formatted uh, information about weather topics that he's following. Gives you a little bit more in-depth insight into that. And again, his website is dayweather.com. Well, I would like to thank my guests for joining us on our program today. Mr. Clint Berry with Superior Livestock and Joe Goggins with Northern Livestock Video Auction. Both those gentlemen giving us some great insight and perspective on our cattle markets, not only for this year and this fall run, but also their optimism in the market for the next few years as well. So I appreciate them joining us on our program. Also, I would like to thank Mr. Colin Osborne, Executive Vice President of Beefmaster Breeders United, for joining us with our Breed Spotlight. Again, for more information on them, you can go to their website, at beefmasters.org. A thank you to our sponsors of today's program. As I said, Beefmasters, they are a sponsor of our program. Nothing beats a Beefmaster. To find out more, go to beefmasters.org. Performance Beef, easy to use, cattle management software. You can find Performance Beef online to request a demo. The American Simmental Association, Sim Genetics, Profit Through Science. Find out more at simmental.org. And the Working Ranch Expo that's going to be December 8th, 9th, and 10th in Las Vegas. I'd like to see you there. If you'd like to see more information on that, you can go to the website at workingranchexpo.com. And finally, Galvey Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to galvey.org. Well, if you'd like to get a hold of me, you have an idea for a topic of a show or would like to have some questions about something you heard on our program, please don't be afraid to give me a call or shoot me a text. You can get me at 307-363-COWS. That's 307-363-COWS. Or you can also send me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine. We invite you to join us each Saturday right here at 12 noon Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147, Sirius XM, or on your podcast provider. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long. <laughs>